0: When I pregnant, I wondered, would I have to give up fashion for a family? I want clothes that look as beautiful as I feel. And I find them at Lady Madonna. Lady Madonna gives me today's styles in terrific colors and combinations. Clothes for work or for play. Quality, variety. Clothes that make my daytimes exciting and my nighttimes magical. Lady Madonna. Because I don't want to stop being me.
1: For the first time ever on a single album, 20 number one hits by The Beatles. Love, love Yesterday, hey, All you the Beatles' 20 greatest hits, an outstanding album value at a special low price, on records and high-quality XDR cassettes from Capitol.
0: Welcome to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood North, I'm your host Ryan Barnett. We're still a couple weeks away from continuing our five-part story on the Kids in the Hall. But in the meantime, I have an episode here for you from one of our friends in podcasting, Craig Barrett at Canadian History X. Like many of you, I'm sure, over the holidays I watched Get Back, the new documentary series from Peter Jackson about the Beatles, and I thought it was a fun time to revisit an episode of Canadian History X from August of 2020, in which Craig detailed the Beatles' history in Canada. So without further ado, here's Canadian History X, the Beatles in Canada.
2: Greetings and welcome to another episode of Canadian History X. Before I continue, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can, for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash Canada EHX. Every dollar you give helps keep the podcast going. I'd also like to give a shout out to Sistery Untold, where they explore history through the eyes of sisterhood. It's a relatively new podcast, but it's a pretty good one so why not check it out and find it on all podcasting platforms. The greatest musical group in history, and there's no debate about that, sorry, travelled the world during the 1960s as they brought their music to millions. For the people of Canada, there were not frequent stops by the Beatles, but there were some, and today on the podcast, I'm looking at those stops by the greatest band in the world to the greatest country in the world. I may be a bit biased here. The episode is going to cover the North American touring years of the Beatles from 1964 to 1966, with a couple stories from 1969. Beginning on February 18, 1963, Canadians would first hear the song Love Me Do, but it did not exactly light the country on fire. Paul White, the executive for Capitol Records of Canada, would state that only 170 copies in total were sold. Please Please Me would sell 280 records, and From Me To You sold 300. It seemed that Canada was not interested in the Beatles. That would all change, though, with She Loves You, released in September 1963. The song quickly exploded in popularity, selling 100,000 copies, and the earlier songs would have to be reissued due to the huge spike in demand by the public now clamouring for anything Beatles. The United States gets a lot of attention for being where the Beatles made their debut on television in North America. But it was in Canada that the Beatles were embraced first, nearly a year before they broke through in the United States. The songs All My Lovin', Roll Over Beethoven, and Twist and Shout were not available in the United States, and it was up to Canada and Capital Canada to manufacture the songs here and ship them to the United States. Capital Canada would ship 100,000 copies of each song, but some estimates put the exports of the songs at 350,000 copies each. Between 1962 and 1966, the Beatles performed in over 1,400 concerts across the planet, with the vast majority being in the United Kingdom. Of those 1,400 or so concerts, seven were performed in Canada, amounting to half of a percent for all of their concerts. So let's take a look at the Beatles in Canada. The first time the Beatles arrived in Canada, let alone played in Canada, was not in Toronto, nor was it in Montreal or Vancouver. It was in Winnipeg. The Beatles were flying from London to San Francisco for their first major North American tour. Before they could get to San Francisco, they needed to refuel, and that refueling spot was the Winnipeg airport. This would have likely been a quick stop that no one would have noticed until word spread after a man by the name of Bob Burns at CJAY-TV learned the Beatles were on their way and he put out the word on local radio to announce that the Beatles, the hottest band in the world, was landing at Winnipeg. Before long, the airport was full of fans kept behind a fence on the runway hoping to see the glimpse of John, Paul, George and Ringo. The band landed on August 18, 1964 at 2.05 p.m. There were no plans to disembark in Winnipeg, but Brian Epstein, seeing the huge crowd of people, convinced the band to make a brief appearance. Before that happened, a local high school student decided to take a chance on seeing the band. A young man by the name of Bruce Decker would take his chance to see the biggest band in the world, Arriving at the airport, he would run across the runway, up the stairs to the plane and nearly get into the plane before being grabbed by security. The entire incident is actually captured in a wonderful series of photographs. According to Decker, who said in an interview later, he had seen that the door was open on the plane and no one was standing on the steps. He decided to risk it and see if he could reach the Beatles. He would say, Just as they were wrestling with me, I caught a glimpse of the Beatles through the door and they were all chuckling. I just did it for a bit of fun, and didn't realize there was anything attached to it. After he was taken back to the crowd by the RCMP, Decker was a celebrity. He would say, and begged me to let her take my photo. Then another two girls saw me and pushed me into a corner, tears streaming down their faces as they asked me, what did they look like? Did you see anything? How does Ringo look? Afterward, he went to a coffee shop where another girl recognized him, put down a dollar, and told the owner he could have anything he wanted to drink. Interestingly, Decker's brush with musical greatness didn't stop there. He would briefly play in a band called the Deverons with Burton Cummings, followed by a second brief moment on rhythm guitar with the Guess Who. After the whole incident, Paul McCartney exited the plane and yelled, Hello Winnipeg, and came down the stairs as a throng of reporters swarmed around him. Bob Burns would quickly interview John Lennon, saying, Bob Burns from CJAY Television, to which Lennon responded, That's not my fault. Burns then said, You must be glad to stretch your legs, to which Lennon responded, Among other things. Burns would state that Ringo Starr was the most gregarious of the band and seemed the most mature. As the band got back on the plane, Ringo suggested that the group might return to Winnipeg following their North American tour. In less than half an hour, the Beatles were on their way, never to return. Here's the news clip from CJAY Television with the interview with John Lennon. Now, the audio isn't the best, but a lot of it can still be made out.
1: There they are, they're coming out down the stairs. First is Paul, there is John, there is George, and Ringo with his glasses, his inevitable glasses. Fantastic! As they are, they are still the schoolboy from around the corner. This business has never affected them to the point where they don't talk to anybody or do anything. We're going to try to move in and see if we can get an interview. John Lennon. May I speak to you for a moment? Bob Burns from Channel 7 Television. John? That's not my fault. I know. Your picture is doing very well here in town. Is it good? Is that up there? We saw it. That's that one right there. All right, Tom. That's right. Oh, jolly good. <laughs> That's the English voice. Yeah. how about the Liverpool voice? Well, it's really good, I'll all right. it out yeah, right. right. Nickers. Right, right, knickers. All righty. How was the trip over from London? Uneventful? Well, it was a long seven-hour flight, and you're glad to stretch your legs, I suppose? Well, amongst other things, yes. You are playing in San Francisco tonight? Am I? Are you? I hope so, yes. you better. This man's putting in while we do the interview. Don't I'm worry about it. it. <laughs> it's all
0: right.
2: After playing some shows on the west coast of the United States, the Beatles make their first official stop in Canada to perform. The concert would be held at p and Open Air Empire Stadium on August 22, 1964, with local radio host Red Robinson serving as the Master of Ceremonies. Things didn't get off to a great start. The show was supposed to start at 8pm, but it didn't start until 9.23pm because the pilot of the plane, the Beatles were on, forgot to sign a document and they had to take the Beatles in a car... Back to the airport to finish the paperwork and then head back to the stadium. At the stadium, 20,000 fans were going crazy waiting for the band to appear. Here's the beginning of that concert and the pandemonium that it created in the building.
1: A pleasure, on behalf of, P of the PE and C Fund, to present the Beatles!
2: Oh! The Beatles would open with twist and shout. By halfway through the show the crowd was near rioting and Robinson was told to go on stage and tell the crowd to calm down or else the Beatles would have to leave. Robinson would walk out on stage at the end of a song and told the crowd to back up because there was a fear of people being injured. Unfortunately John Lennon thought he was just coming out on stage and he would tell Robinson get off our stage nobody interrupts the Beatles and Robinson responded John Brian Epstein sent me up here. John looked down, and Brian gave him an OK sign, and John would then say to Robinson, "Okay, carry on, mate. In all, the band would play 11 songs, but chose not to play I Want to Hold Your Hand. While the concert was being performed, it was broadcast live on CKNW. The band would continue their show while the fans screamed, and the show was short, lasting 27 minutes, and once the show was over, the band left the stage and got into a waiting limousine and were driven to the Vancouver International Airport. They would then fly straight to Los Angeles. This was the band's one and only show in Western Canada. Flying into Toronto after performing in the United States on September 7, 1964, the band would sign autographs for immigration officials before being driven to the King Edward Hotel. Fans were already starting to gather at the hotel, and when the band stepped out of the car, Paul would have his shirt torn by a fan, while he and Ringo were separated from John and George. Thankfully, The police were able to quickly restore order on the street and get the band into their hotel suite. After the band arrived in the suite, they found a 14-year-old girl hiding in the linen closet. One funny story from the band's time in Toronto was that Philip Givens, the mayor of Toronto, along with his wife, called at the suite at 1.30pm, but were turned away by a blonde woman. They were told that two of the Beatles were sleeping and two others were with relatives. The next day, the Daily Star would have a headline that said, Beatles' Blonde Snubs Mayor. For their concert, which was held at Maple Leaf Gardens, the Beatles left by the back entrance of the hotel in a police wagon. At the stadium, 4,000 police officers and Mounties were on duty, surrounding a five-block area that had been sectioned off 12 hours before the arrival of the group. The first concert was supposed to start at 4 p.m., but the band would not get on stage till 5.30, and were introduced by Jungle J. Nelson of the local radio station. One Global Mail reporter said that the concert was impossible to hear because four Beatles can't out-vocalize a Maple Leaf Gardens full of youngsters baying out their adulation. After the show, the band took photographs with local DJs, fan club presidents, and Miss Canada before giving a press conference. At 10pm, they would begin their second performance. This is an interview for the press conference from that day, which goes on for a few minutes, but it's pretty great, so I'm going to play most of it.
1: First of all, John, how's your throat? Uh it's not so bad, you know, it's getting better. Well, what do you mean it's not so bad? It's getting better. Well it was lousy the other day, I could hardly speak, you know, but had a couple of jabs here and there, and it's getting a bit better. Rego? Yes, you're pretty popular in Toronto. Thank you very much. Do you like Toronto? Or have you seen very much? Well what I've seen of it's okay. What have you seen of it so far? Hotel and a uh, drive yeah, <laughs> how was that drive-in from the airport very last good night? one of the best actually what do you mean by one of the best well it uh, was well organized with the police you know yeah but you had a rough kind of, you have rough time coming through that king edward hotel lobby oh that last was night. a bit rough but it was okay mm-hmm. you know i understand you lost a tie clip no i didn't someone made that up i didn't i didn't even have a tie on you know this young lady back here a little while ago asking me how often you chaps wash your hair uh, once a week twice you know any times like when we get a cut you know there's no set time Paul, yes. I think your name is Paul, right? Yes. Paul, Toronto. you are a favorite in Toronto. Oh, I, uh, I think your good, No, I think it's your good looks that go along with it. Gee. Uh, I'll get to you, yes, sir. <laughs> Paul, what do you think of Toronto? I mean, what you've <laughs> seen of it so far. Well,
3: you know, like Ringo says, we haven't seen a lot of it, but it's nice. We just saw a little bit, a few... Li- Who's hitting me? <laughs> go ahead. i Saw a few lights from the air, uh, you know, you couldn't really tell.
1: Sounds good, though. What nice. about these people out here? I mean, you know, you saw but, thousands. Of them yeah, the audience is fantastic. Today. Are the teenagers of Toronto any different from the teenagers oh, that you met all across the continent? No, they're all just as good. You know, they're all great. Well, we kind of think they're uh, better. Okay. <laughs> all right. <it> everyone <laughs> now let else. me get let me get to your friend over here.
3: Nice. Oh, he's yeah, already busy.
1: Me there, yeah. I'll get you later. Okay. <laughs> now where do you go from here? Where do we go from here? We go to Jacksonville. Jacksonville, where? Florida. Did, yeah,
3: that's
1: right, that's right. Well, I thought you had a trip to Montreal somewhere in Oh between.
3: yeah, sorry, Montreal, then Jacksonville. I thought you went up to Canada. Now,
1: your first trip to Canada wasn't to Vancouver, What's the right? wire?
3: I don't know what's happening. Here. <laughs> Excuse us. The, your, are first, your
1: first trip into, Va- into Canada was to Vancouver. Yes. Yeah. What did you think of Vancouver? Same. You know, it was. We didn't see much of it. We can't really tell you what the city is like. But the people are nice. Well, I get the impression that you champs are virtually prisoners in your in your own right. Only when we're on tour. When we're not working, nobody knows where we are half the time. Yeah, you, know you know, we you don't go time. anywhere. You don't do anything. Well, we've come here to work, haven't we? We're yeah. on tour. When, yeah, when the tour's yeah. over, yeah. we've got two weeks off, and we'll be we can go out and do what well, we how, like. do you, how do you feel about this? Personally, I mean, you know, I mean, if I was uh, in London, England, or if I was in Europe, someplace, I'd like to go out and see something. I mean, you chaps will get but a chance to see. But if you to were there to work, wouldn't you wouldn't be. We came over here to do a tour <laughs> and work. We would not come here to sightsee or see buildings or the local. Well, what about this sports. press conference right now? Is this sheer work? I mean, it's not even, there's no pleasure it's all involved. Pleasure, at all. In it, you, no, know, job, you know. You know, you have have a, a laugh, laugh where it's pleasure. I haven't had a chance don't... to talk to you very yeah, much. No, you missed me, didn't you? I didn't miss you at all. You were there, but you were talking to somebody else. You were busy. I wasn't. Okay, go on. Now, what is your impression of Canada?
3: It's very nice, yeah. I like it.
1: Now, when you are finished, um, you know, touring around the country as a beetle, have you uh, given any thoughts to uh, perhaps uh, using a few of those shekels that you've earned to come back and perhaps see some of the cities that you've been in? Yeah,
3: probably. But, you know, we haven't made any plans so far. You know, we wait until that happens, and then we'll start arranging what we're going to do.
1: any uh, group that gets together four or five champs uh, four in your case that gets together over a period of time there are a few uh, you know knocks um, knobby ends here and knobby ends there yeah the well guys we have slight rather.
3: ones but you know we've known each other so long we know how to get on how with long each other. have you known each other um i've known paul and john about eight or nine years us three have been you know known each other that long we know Ringo about four so
1: you know we know where'd you start
3: that's why we're at school
1: you know we go back stay. in liverpool
3: yeah
1: well, i mean uh, when i say where did you start i mean how did you start as well i mean you well know, we bought guitars and got together if you don't get a chance to see the place yeah. you it? It it know look, oh, look, look if you're going to talk will you talk out in front of my camera can see you too okay, i'm just no. asking George. If <laughs> if you don't get out it so much, is it is and see don't. the bricks Fitty, and uh, you
3: don't too well
1: i you know i don't mind it how do you feel i don't
3: mind I don't, i'm having a good time yeah,
1: well, now, one more question: Where the hairdos come from? Where, where, where's the originality? Oh, scalp, we just found them, you know. to no. no. go now, folks? See yeah, it. Fun. Thank you very, very much.
2: The day after they played their two shows in Toronto, the band would make its way over to Quebec to play two more concerts in Montreal, the only visit the band would ever have in the city. The band's only time in Quebec would be marred by death threats against them from French Canadian separatists. Police sharpshooters had to be present at the Montreal Forum during the concert. The concerts would pass without any problems, but it was something that was on the minds of the Beatles. In the 1990s, George Harrison would say, A Montreal newspaper reported that somebody was going to kill Ringo because they didn't like his nose or something, because he was probably the most British of the Beatles. I don't know. Ringo would say of the incident, Some people decided to make an example of me as an English Jew. The one major fault is I'm not Jewish. Threats we took in stride. I mean, suddenly there would be a few more cops, and this was one of the few times I was actually really worried. Upon arriving in Montreal, the Beatles were greeted by throngs of fans as usual, lining the streets, clutching magazines, and singing their favorite Beatles songs. The Beatles would take the stage for their first concert at 5.20pm on September 8th, performing a 12-song set. They would play their second show at 8.30pm, and then chose not to stay in Montreal and instead fly from Montreal to Jacksonville, Florida. In all, the band stayed only eight hours in Montreal. A total of 9,500 fans were at the show, followed by 11,500 at the second show. On August 17, 1965, the Beatles returned to Canada for two shows, and once again, fans were waiting for them to arrive, camping out to capture tickets to the show. Fans once again tried to touch and rush the band before they arrived only to be repelled by Toronto police officers who formed a fence with linked arms to contain the fans. The group had flown in from New York, arriving in the morning, and staying at the King Edward Sheraton once again. Fans had booked dozens of rooms in the hotel in the hope of meeting the group. Each of the shows was seen by 18,000 people, with the band playing their usual 12-song set, lasting for 27 minutes in all. When the band played at Maple Leaf Gardens, Harold Ballard, the owner of the stadium and the Maple Leafs, turned up the heat in the building, turned off the water fountains, and made a huge amount of money selling drinks out of concession as a result. Unlike the previous year when the band was on the front page of Toronto newspapers, this year they were on the inside pages, with many starting to say the Beatlemania was fading, and the band would soon disappear from relevance. One year to the day that the band played Toronto it would return to the city in 1966 for the last two shows the band would ever play on Canadian soil. The tour was also the last the band would ever play, and eight shows and 12 days after they played Toronto, the band would end their touring days forever so they could focus on making music in the studio. With ticket sales in the United States down, a reporter asked the band during their Toronto news conference if Beatlemania was over. Here's George Harrison's response from that press conference.
1: What Beatles going to do about their diminishing popularity? What diminishing, you know? Well, for a start, th- there's
3: no signs, as far as we're concerned, of it diminishing. Our records and our shows are still selling as well as ever. you so finished, George. Really You're finished. It's huge, really your opinion. And if our popularity does diminish, well, we'll be the last to worry.
0: Hooray!
3: <laughs>
2: The first concert would take place at 4 p.m. and was seen by 15,000 fans, while the second concert was held at 8 p.m. in front of 17,000 fans. One person at the concert was John Tory, who was 12 years old at the time and would go on to become the current mayor of Toronto. He would say of the concert, The volume of the screaming was such that you could barely hear the music. Jungle J. Nelson once again served as the MC of the concert, which saw 50 audience members treated for shock. The Beatles would stay in Toronto for the night before flying out to Boston on August 18th. After the Beatles played their last Canadian concert, many critics said that the band was going to be gone soon. While the band would never tour again, they would redefine popular music for the remainder of the 1960s and remain just as relevant today as they were 50 years ago. While the band would never play Canada again, the country would still see members of the band play individually, John Lennon, George Harrison, Paul McCartney, and Ringo Starr all played solo shows in the country eventually. But arguably, the most famous solo Beatles story comes from John Lennon and when he held a bed-in for peace in Montreal from May 26th to June 1st, 1969. Lennon and Yoko had held a bed-in in in Amsterdam earlier in the year, and the second bed-in was going to take place in New York. But due to a 1968 cannabis conviction, Lennon was not allowed into the United States. They then intended to host the event in the Bahamas, but they could only spend one night there because of the heat, and it was after that they decided to hold the demonstration in Canada. They landed in Toronto and stayed at the King Edward Hotel, and were granted a 10-day visitor status. They had to choose between Montreal and Toronto, and they chose Montreal because it was closer to New York, which would make the American press coverage easier. John and Yoko flew to Montreal on May 26 and stayed in rooms 1738, 1740, 1742, and 1744 at the Queen Elizabeth Hotel. During their week in Montreal, they would record Give Peace a Chance in room 1742 on June 1, 1969. Andre Perry, who owned a recording studio in the city, set up a simple setup of four microphones and a four track recorder. After the bed-in, the couple would also meet Prime Minister Pierre Trudeau. In 1991, the hotel received permission from Yoko Ono to begin renting out room 1742 in Lenin's name, and a recent renovation turned all four rooms that the couple stayed in into one large suite, with two bedrooms, a dining room, two lounges, two bathrooms, and a pantry. The suite also includes virtual reality goggles so you can experience the view from the bed through the perspective of John Lennon. Today, room 1742 is called the John Lennon and Yoko Ono Suite. Christopher Simpson, a friend of mine from my journalism days, told me a story of a friend of his from high school who got a call from a friend in Montreal saying, you won't believe this, but I've got John Lennon here. Her friend then put on a guy that sounded a lot like John Lennon, but Christopher's friend didn't believe it, and Lennon had to convince her that it was indeed him. After a couple minutes, she hung up. Later, she found out that it was indeed Lennon in Montreal and on the other line, and he was on the phone with her. I hope you enjoyed that look at the Beatles in Canada. And if you did, please give a rating and review. You can reach me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can go to my website where you'll find hundreds of articles on Canada's history, as well as all my podcast episodes. Just go to canadaehx.com. And you can support the podcast By going to patreon.com slash Canada EHX. If you're a supporter of the podcast for as little as $3 a month, you also get into my monthly Zoom history conferences for free. This month, I'm talking about TG Hamilton, the MLA turned seance man in Winnipeg, who brought people like Sir Arthur Conan Doyle and Prime Minister William Lyme Mackenzie King to the city. It's a really interesting conference. It's happening August 30th at 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. If you're not a patron, then it's only $5 to register, which you can do through my website. Information comes from Read, 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 CBC, Winnipeg Free Press, Global News, Wikipedia, Manitoba Music Museum, The Toronto Star, The Beatles Bible, Montreal Gazette, and Toronto Plaques. Thanks. We'll see you again next time.
0: Once Upon a Time in Hollywood North is written and produced by me, Ryan Barnett, and presented by Knockabout Media. Special archival audio comes courtesy of Retro Ontario. You can follow me on Instagram at it's Ryan Barnett. Go there and you can follow the progress on my new graphic novel on the life and work of Buster Keaton. Thank you for listening, and until next time.
1: I've got one more question. Where the hairdos come from? Where, where, where's the original? A oh, scalp.
0: Enough about the media original. All done.